0: Hello, welcome along to uh, Forever Blue podcast, the weekly dose of all things City as we go into an international break and City have uh, just had a comfortable victory. Against Brighton at the weekend. Now there's lots of things we can talk about today, and to do so we have a slightly different cast list. We've got Harlan back again. Can't get rid of him. Uh, so uh, hiya, Harlan. You're right. Uh, we've also got Paul fresh from his holidays. Um, he's been uh, he's been in the very aptly named Sunny Beach, and now he's back in. Sonny Oldham. Yeah, brought the son with me. <laughs> <laughs> what, what, is Harlan your son? I yeah, didn't yeah, realise that. Right, right. I'm, and we've, also got, you. <laughs> we've also got another Paul with us today, who's making his debut on the podcast. Tell us a little bit
1: about yourself, Paul. Oh, hi Ian. Um, I've, I've come all, all, all the way across from the Pennines, from Hebden Bridge. I used to live in Manchester, so that's why I became a blue. And, uh, you know, come over to uh, basically talk about uh, the women's derby on Saturday and just try and encourage some people to come along.
0: Absolutely. And we're going to talk about that a little bit later on. But obviously, you, I assume that you're also a men's football fan. Absolutely. So we're going to start by talking about that. First of all, I'd like to thank uh, UK. That's their website address. But charlesleouis.co.uk who are mortgage advisors, chartered mortgage mortgage advisors, who sponsor the podcast. Thanks very much for your support, guys. Um, Dave, who runs that company, or certainly is the, the guy I liaise with, is a City fan. So if you want some advice on mortgages, then then give him a ring. So it's dead easy. Charles Louis .co.uk, go on the website, you'll see how to contact them, and when you ring them, say, I heard about you on the Forever Blue podcast, and you're a blue, aren't you? Going to speak to Dave? And then he'll sort you out. you would probably get a free mortgage. No, no, you won't, actually, <laughs> but anyway, you know, you, you'll get a good deal. So uh, thanks very much to them for their support. Uh, right, what I'd like to kick off today with, uh, of course, is the repercussions of the Americ Laporte injury. Now, we don't know, as we sit here on Sunday evening, the extent of this injury but there are very strong rumors from people who seem to know what the deal is that it's an acl an anterior cruciate ligament in the knee and that he will probably be ruled out for the season so i suppose the starting point really is how how worried are you by that and, and by the way i want to qualify things by saying that there will be people listening especially if the comments that you guys make are in any way Negative or critical, that will say, "What have you got to be critical about?" City have won every games for two years. Doesn't mean to say we can't have a debate and ask some questions. Because my first question would be that having seen a lot of people on social media during the summer saying, "Why have City not signed a centre central defender when Vincent Kompany went?" Now they'll be saying, "See, should have signed a central defender. See what's happened now to Laporte." So. How do you feel about the Laporte
1: injury? Well, it seems to me that um, the first thing, he shouldn't have been put in that position. Um, a couple of players didn't get into position properly, and then he had to make that tackle, and he and he, and he he got clipped, and it, it does look like a serious injury. And he, your heart goes out to the lad. He's not been called up for France up until now, criminally. He should, no way he should have been in the French side. He gets called up, he gets this serious injury, so your heart does go out to him. But you do have to ask the question... Why isn't John Stone stepping up? We have an England defender, central defender. We didn't need to sign another one. We need Stones now to step up, take this opportunity and show what he's got. Because whilst it's OK saying Fernandinho can play there, he hasn't got the height. He's not a central defender. And I think it's time for Stones to justify his, his, his fee and step up. Well we should say that John Stones has been injured, he returned
0: to training last week and I was at the press conference on Friday before the Brighton game and Pep said that had it been a cup final or a do or die game then Stones probably would have been available to play, but there was no point in risking him at this stage. So I would imagine we'll see John Stones back after the international break. But the reason he's not been playing recently in in games is because of an injury that he sustained himself. But the bigger question, I suppose, is that last season, you would have said that City had four central defenders, Mm. Vincent Kompany, John Stones, Nicolas Otamendi and Americ Laporte. And other shuffles that you can do, Mm. which you just alluded to with Fernandinho, uh, arguably um, Kyle Walker could slot into mm. A central role but generally It's accepted there were four One of them, the most iconic of them all mm. Has gone Leaving three So yeah, John Stones should step up I, I get that, but if it's John Stones And Nicolas Otamendi now Are you playing them in every single game And relying on them not to get injured mm. For the whole ne- all, all season
1: mm. <sighs>
2: I mean, I mean, the, the first thing I'd like to say is, I mean, I, I, where I stand in the ground, I didn't... Did, was it was it a contact or was it...
0: He reached across with his right leg yeah. and the guy clattered into his knee right. and jarred his knee. Right,
2: mm. right, because where I was, it looked like he'd gone sliding in, his studs dig, dug in, because I saw the game earlier where a player had got injured and he had to came off and he'd, mm. he'd done his knee ligaments because of the pitch and mm. dug in. Um, again, real sorry that he's not playing, but... We've surely got enough players in, in in defensive players to to fill it all up, like you've just said. Mm. Players just step up to the mark. I I am I'm, I'm really sorry he's not playing because he's our best defender, in my my mm. opinion. Um, but I'm not concerned if I'm being honest.
0: I'm going to challenge you because that's my job, right? Mm. Yeah, yeah. So so who was City's best defender last season <laughs> when everybody was fit? Him, him. Mm. Who was City's best defender? Central defender. Uh, when everybody was fit last season, probably him. Second best.
2: Oh, second best. Um, it weren't company.
0: It wasn't. No. Okay. Who I was don't think it
2: then? he played enough for it to the best one. Possibly uh, uh, Stones, man. Uh, yeah. possibly Stones. Yeah. And, so uh, and
0: the third best. Company, so you're saying you're saying, Paul, that Company was the weakest of the four defenders last season. Only
2: because he didn't play as many games. Okay. If you if you looked at the games he did play, he what he was he was up there as he would always be. But he didn't well, play as that games. Well that's why I qualified
0: the question by yeah. saying a fully fit.
2: Yeah, yeah. So uh, well that's fully fit, but that's hypothetical. It's not, in because that. in
0: the last few games of last season, yeah. the crunch games yeah, yeah. when oh, everything was on the line, the yeah, semi-final yeah. FA Cup Final of the FA Cup and the must-win games in the running that they couldn't drop a point. Vincent Gombny pretty well played in every yeah, he game. He did,
2: he did. But if they, they, because he wasn't fit last season, all all season he didn't play in all the games. So to say we're going to miss him, of course we're going to miss him in the dressing room and on the pitch. But last season we didn't really miss him. Because he didn't play that many games, he didn't play enough games to really miss him. I don't think so.
0: Okay. What about you, Harlan? I
2: can see. I can see where Paul's coming from. Him because over the course of the season, in
3: the games Vinny didn't play, we, we we looked quite comfortable at the back. And I think that's where Paul's coming from. The fact that um, you know until until we played them crunch games, you know where where we we could argue that we we need Vinny in them not only for his is his his persona in the changing room. Um, I'm not sure whether everybody's watched um, the new documentary on YouTube, but you clearly hear Vinny do two speeches. Uh, One before the um, Brighton or Albion game, which left me with a massive, massive lump in my throat because I don't really see anyone else in the changing room that will talk like that and will motivate players like that. But that's from a motivational perspective. But I can see where Paul's coming from in, in, in the fact that Vinny didn't play many, many games last season until the latter stages of the season and we looked like we could cope without him Um, but for me, and obviously I know a lot of people uh, have a difference in opinion for me but based on how Pep plays um, for me, John Stones is the second best defender that plays along Pep's way of playing alongside Emmanuel Laporte and for me, our strongest centre-half partnership is Stones and Laporte I've been worried with Otamendi over the last couple of weeks, opening half opening four games of the season. He's, he played quite well yesterday um, and he's strong, but I'm still quite worried about how much he dives in and how much, when he does make a challenge, the probability of him winning that challenge and it not backfiring on us, he's going into a maybe 60-40. And I think that a few times this season, if he is a first-choice centre-half now, it will go the other way where we're punished for uh, Otamendi mistakes. Um, against Bournemouth, I thought he played OK, um, but again, against better opposition, a lot of Otamendi's mistakes would have been punished
0: and they're the games that we'll lose uh, without our key defenders, I think. So, just to sum this up, because uh, I want to I want to just clarify what you're saying, City went down from four recognised centre-backs last season to three in the summer. That didn't worry you, the fact that City didn't go up target. They've, they've obviously brought in a right-back and, and, and again, I'm trying to represent what other people have said mm. to me here. So, so, so people, lots of people actually have said to me, why did City go and sign a right back when we've already got Kyle Walker? There was no desperate need to sign a right back. And yet we were crying out for a centre back and we didn't sign one. But what you're saying is, we'll c- come on to the right-back debate after if you want, but for now, as far as centre-backs are concerned, going from four to three was in no way a concern for you. No, 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 it was a concern for me. Um, I, I, I thought we needed another one. I said that on the podcast a couple of weeks ago.
3: I think it was, um, I don't know who made the decision to, to not sign another centre-half. I would have definitely signed a centre-half. It wouldn't have been Maguire. I made that clear all summer. Uh, when Ake's name came up, that kind of made me think you know what young english up and coming i like him um, he might be a shout uh, there was another few defenders out there um, a defender that we weren't linked with that i like a lot jonathan tar from Bayer leverkusen i think he'd have he's strong he's big he can play out from the back he's a player that may reminded me a lot of vincent company i've seen him play a lot in germany for leverkusen he may have been a shout um, but we didn't seem there wasn't too many links to centre halves that i can think of which made people really stand up and go so we have need sit- to sign him I think, we made made a mistake, mistake. Not, I think we made a mistake I think
1: there's two questions here City's st- strategy around signing is about value for money it's about getting the right player at the right price they looked at Maguire and they concluded rightly he wasn't worth 80 million so it's looking at other people I think Aki was a good shout because he's, he's fast, he's mobile, he's English, he's got potential. So that was one. But they've looked around across the, their scouting network across Europe and South America and concluded there's no one there that they fancied. The other question is, why are we not looking to the academy? Why are we not looking to the younger players? Because there's a real frustration, I think, from City fans. We're spending millions on the academy and one player has come through. The exceptional one, Phil Foden, who they couldn't ignore. So what what about bringing Garcia through in the cup games, starting to blood him? What about bringing some of the other kids through? Because at some point, we've got to either trust the academy and the academy staff, or we've got to go out and spend big money. And we fell between the two here. My fear is you can play Fernandinho against Brighton, you can play him against Norwich. I don't fancy him against Liverpool's front three in that position, so we do have stones and Otamendi. The problem with Otamendi, and I think we probably all agree, is you know Mane, Sané, and the others will leave him for dead pace-wise. They've just got pace to to kill, and he hasn't got pace. That's the one thing he hasn't got. So I think we've got a problem. But you know, at the end of the day, do you go out and spend 80 million on Maguire? Not really, because if, if this
0: season and now, I mean, nobody could have predicted or no. clearly would have wanted. Um, and Merrick Laporte to get this injury. But if he is ruled out for the season, mm. City are left with two recognised centre-backs. Yes, Eric Garcia can be promoted. Um, yes, Carl uh, Walker can be moved across. Yes, Fernandinho can go in there. Maybe even Rodri uh, well, might be a better I was going to suggest option Rodri. to move into centre-back. But what I'm saying is that City are light of recognized Regular centre backs. Forget the personnel for a minute. Mm. Yes, we can have the debate on how good or bad they are, mm. but just on pure numbers. Um, and I take your point, Paul, about the you know the fact that you don't want to overspend and all this sort of stuff. But still, you know, was there a need a need to sign a right back? Now, obviously, Cancelo could prove to be an absolutely brilliant player and and a revelation. We haven't seen anything of him yet, so we can't know that. But there wasn't that desperate need for a right
1: back, was there? Well, you could argue having only one right back, one recognised right back in Carl Walker, is a problem. You should have, to, you know, cover on both flanks.
0: Which they did when Danilo was there.
1: Yeah, but he's obviously fancied the new guy rather than Danilo. You no, know, they, they do the research. You know, they look at the They look at not just the guy's capabilities. You know, what he's done as a footballer. Look at what sort of person he is. And Canillo is one of those guys. That, you know, he's like Rodri. You get him on the training pitch. He listens and he responds. And that's what Pet wants. So I can see why he's done that. I think probably we are like, But then I have the same problem up front as well. I think we need another striker. You know, and so there's, there's positions where I think we've got loads of midfielders, loads of full backs. We could do another striker and we probably could do another centre-half. But at some point, given where we are, given that this emergency has happened, what do you do? We can't go out and buy anyone now until January. So he's got to go with what he's got. And maybe trust garcia because garcia is a good player just lacks experience so we've got the league cup coming up the carbo cup we've got the fa cup on the horizon let's get him in those teams because if we don't win those trophies i don't you know we'd like to win them but you know they're the opportunities to blood the kids because we've got that academy i find it incredibly frustrating that some of the best young players in europe are literally half a mile across the road and they've got no chance of getting in that team. And well, that's pointless to me. Well,
0: Pep was asked directly about uh, Phil Foden, I know this yeah. is slightly on a different subject. Uh, again, at the press conference on Friday. And somebody said, when is he going to get his chance? And, uh, and he said, I- I'm sort of paraphrasing really, but you know, when he's good enough? Um, and somebody during the game yesterday tweeted me and said, wouldn't this have been a perfect game to... And you're nodding along to that. Mm. And my answer was, who does he get in ahead of then? David Silva? Bernardo, Bernardo Silva couldn't even get in that team yesterday. Well,
1: so there's Phil Foden ahead of him. Well, there's a big question for you. We're 4-0 up, 70 minutes, to go, 70 minutes down, 20 minutes to play. Do you put Bernardo Silva on, who you know... Is it the proven article or just hit Phil Fordin on?
0: Me and Pet, presumably, from what he yeah. said, I bring on, but I would have started with Bernardo yes. Silva to be honest. Well, I was off the 20
1: seconds, Ian, and scored. Yeah, but, yeah. but i 17, no, But, but if, if you're looking at developing players, oh, 17. then, you know, we, we all know 20 minutes to go, we've won that game easily. We're free up at that point. You're right, Bernardo comes on. We know what Bernardo can do. He's got, he's got two seasons under his belt now, he's a world class player. Phil Forden needs the minutes, and those are the opportunities, not just to bring the likes of Forden on, but bring some of the kids on as how, well. How does Forden develop by bringing him on for
0: a few minutes at the end of a
1: game? Because, because I think game, game time at that level is essential. you think that I, makes a difference? I, think I mean, does. you're entitled to that view. Yeah. I, I don't share that
0: view, by the I, way.
2: I personally don't. Um, I coming train.
0: on when you're four, three or 4 nil up and the game's dead, and, and then running around a bit and everybody going, oh, isn't he great? That, to me, is not okay. when you judge a player. You judge a player when they're playing from the start at 0-0 mm. and and that player makes a difference. Yeah. Um, and it can also work the other way because you come on with
2: 20 minutes to go. Um, you're not into the pace of the game. You make a few mistakes. Young player, crowd, the crowd are not going to get on his back, but 50,000 people going,
1: mm.
2: it's noisy and, can get an old, and it can get yeah. to you. And it could, It could. could. you can go the other way. I, I get what you're saying yeah. Paul I, yeah. I, I sort of agree with it but then it's Man City for God's sake we've got all this money and all these players we've got to keep them all happy Phil Foden's happy at the moment mm. sitting on the bench yeah. learning it in training and stuff my my point is who, who is in our academy side because I don't watch him I'll be honest I don't mm. have the time who's in our academy side that could come through into that into that squad
3: I've got a player so a player that that I well I, I put a tweet uh, not a tweet well it was on my old Twitter account yeah and I put a Facebook post out about two seasons ago um, and I know he made a big mistake against I think it was Shakhtar and that dead rubber a few seasons ago you might remember Paul went straight over his head tossing a darabayoyo yeah. Um and that's straight af- after that well yeah you mm. won't take would you Paul <laughs> that's Paul from Prestige not the other Paul <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah um but yeah you know, a lot of City fans got on his back and said nah we're finished with him that that mm. tossing he's rubbish Um when he came back for pre season, I thought I saw a picture of him on on Instagram. We city put one out and I thought, he's put some timber on. He looks like he's been told to, to bulk up because there's there's a there's a space for him in this squad, you know, with Mangala leaving, there's a space for tossing, maybe Pep's rang him and said, Listen, I'm thinking of including you this season, but you're gonna need to maybe bulk up a bit because you were, you know, a slim lad or whatever. Um and then we'll only back out again. He was at West Brom last season, he was on loan the year before. Why are we loaning a player out then if we're never going to use him because I think him from what I saw of him early on, he's a good ball player, now he's put the timber on, so really, there's not really a fault with him then is there, and he's there, um, Garcia, me and Ian have spoke about him, maybe just the height thing is the only thing that Garcia lacks maybe, uh, but then Mangala's gone to Valencia, he looks the fittest he's looked in three seasons, he looks in the best shape possible. I've been watching him training. He looks great. He looks in. He looks quick. He looks sharp. He looks like the Mangala we signed. And yet, we used him when we had nobody else, when we played Bristol City a few years ago, just to fill in a gap. He had a good run of games. He got dropped and never got played again. Went to Everton, got injured. And then, what? Well, we get rid of him and he goes on a free. But we give him a new contract six months ago. Didn't make sense to me. Now we're left with two recognised centre-halves. Um. One's injured, company left. Mangala's gone on a free. Tosin's out on loan, and Eric Garcia is maybe too small. So really, we've limited our own centre half options, haven't we?
1: I think I think is a, a decent shot. There was some discussion when he came uh, that he'd be play the Ferdinandian role, but there was also a discussion about playing centre half as well. He's six He's a big lad. He's got good positional sense. He's not the quickest in the world, but then company wasn't massively quick towards the end because uh, you know he was never completely match fit t- towards the end of his, his time at City. But for me, that's a possibility as well. I just worry. Really, I think it, against a lot of the teams, we can muddle through with what we've got. But against the certainly our biggest rival at the moment, because all the others are falling by the wayside, this is almost even at this stage it seems to become a two-horse race, yeah. We'll we go into those two big, you know, two big games, because <clears throat> those two games will almost certainly decide the title race. You know, we're going to have to play Stones and or Otamendi. If they're fit. If they're fit. And if they're not fit, or we don't fancy Ottomendi because of a lack of pace, somebody else. So we've got some time to fiddle with that. But as you rightly say, I think you're right, Ian, we probably are one shot of a top-class, experienced centre-half. And we're going to have to make the best of it and hope in those two big games that the guys that are playing in those positions against a very formidable front three for Manfield can actually deliver the goods. Because it's going to be a tough game. Those are going to be really tough games. I mean, We're going to score goals. The question is, can we keep them out?
0: During that run-in, which was the business end of last season, why do you think Pep chose to play Vincent Company, who you're arguing isn't quite as fast as he once was Mm. at the latter stage of his career, and not pick John Stones, because Stones hardly played in any of those games. And you're all singing his praises and saying he's the answer, and yet Pep didn't pick him.
2: It's it's purely leadership, isn't it? Um, You know, you can always guarantee Vinny's going to put up a performance in. And it's the fact that he walks on the pitch with you, just having him alongside you. It's one of them he's is, is a talisman isn't he and all the rest of it that for me is the pure reason that he had him in there it's like y- so do you believe
0: uh, for example that if Pep had picked John Stones instead of company or company hadn't been fit or whatever in those last games City would have still won them all still won the league still won the treble
2: Um, I don't know well, that's the
1: that's that's obvious answer I, mean, I don't <laughs> well, know it's, it's hypothetical I think, I think we probably would because I think Stones is a quality player but the the co- company is a smart player as well and as well as the lead he's a smart player he, and he changed his game over his time at City and in the last couple of seasons his positional play was much more focused he recognised he didn't have the pace he recognised that he, he wasn't always totally match fit either because he, he was coming off the back of quite long spells on the sideline. And he was very clever at the way he positioned himself, and occasionally he got away with some really dodgy fouls as well because he didn't quite get it right. But he he brought something around just giving that back four the confidence, and also the you know the holding midfielders the confidence that if they got past them, he could hold the line. So I think he was right to go at the end of the last season because I think he'd, he'd reached the end of the line. Maybe this maybe they should have signed another centre half. We, we didn't, so we now have to think, well, how do we muddle through with what we've got? And in fairness, when I say muddle through, we're muddling through with proven internationals, quality players. But you may be right, we might just want to go into the marketplace and find one guy from Shakhtar or somewhere, like Fernandinho. When, when we signed Fernandinho, nobody knew the he, who the hell he was. I didn't know who he was. And he's turned out to be one of our greatest players of all time, you know. So, mm. Their scouting network needs to go out there and say, right, okay, in January, it, can we pick somebody up? Relatively cheap, relatively young, with the sort of, maybe with Champions League experience, a, a, another club that can come in and take us through to to Laporte coming back, hopefully, back end of this season or early next season. So I think you're right. I think we probably may, may have made a mistake, but we've got to live with it, haven't we?
0: Well, I'm just asking the questions, and uh, <laughs> I, I've got to say that uh, you're going to say I'm biased for saying this, particularly now, having just written a book with Vincent Kompany. Chiching. Uh, but uh, <laughs> uh, I, I think he was our best central defender last season. Uh, Laporte was our second best defender, and. I don't think there's an awful lot of difference between Otamendi and Stones, now that might get some controversial comments from some people because uh, there's a lot of people have negative things to say about Otamendi but that's my view for for what it's worth. Um, we've mentioned uh, in, in the build up to the injury, uh, you didn't name him but Zinchenko was the player who gave the ball away and he's another p- player we can talk about at the moment because Mendy's on the verge of a comeback. Angelino's on the bench yesterday, Um, I can only assume that the reason why City signed Angelino is because he qualifies as an English player because he came through City's academy, even though clearly he's a Spanish player, but I don't feel as if Angelino's going to get any game time, certainly once Mendy's fit and he's playing again. Um, But I do wonder why why Cancelo, who's been brought in with a reputation of being able to play at left-back as well, hasn't yet made his debut. Is that something that's occurred to you? To be, to be honest with you, it hasn't. Um, and I'm a Zinchenko fan, by the absolutely. way. I like Zinchenko. I, to, hmm. to,
2: for the record, yesterday, um, I thought he had a bit of a nightmare, to be honest. Um, I think it was one of his probably recently worst games I've seen him play, to be honest. Um, he was at fault for that injury. I, well, obviously he wasn't fault for injury, but he, he gave the ball away. Um <sighs> I've, uh, you know, to be honest with you, I've been on holiday and, and you forget about stuff. And I, I'd even forgot about Cancelo. You know, you forget him. We've got all these. So that even makes more the centre back situation. Because being a centre back at City at the moment, it's not like being a good old fashioned Steve Bruce. You know, it's like, oh, oh Richard the ball. Dunne. Richard Dunn. Uh, Richard Dunn, yeah. yeah. It's a prolific goal scorer. Yeah. The you know, wrong end. Know, <laughs> uh, yeah. but, but I think being a centre-back in the City team is completely different than being a centre-back in any other team at the moment. Mm. It's not a massive, you just clear your lines. you sweeper, are you? Exactly, you know.
1: Mm. I, I, I did wonder why he's not played him in a game like yesterday. You know, you, you take the point about Ford and, not, you know, it starts yeah. or, or doesn't have 20 minutes why play, assign a player who's clearly quality clearly a good player All his, his reputation goes before him why not play him in a game like that where you think you're going to win you've got a good chance of beating Brighton you don't want to blood him against Arsenal you don't want to blood him against Spurs I think that was the right but yesterday was a perfect opportunity at home play him down the left see, see what you can do because there's some discussion that he's a bit like Zinchenko that he's, a, he's great going forward not so hot coming back same could be said of Mendy as well. Um, but yesterday was a golden opportunity to get him out of there, give him 90 minutes, get him used to the premiership because Rodri is, and, and company, when he started, they were freaks. They just came in and looked like they were, they'd been playing in the premiership all their lives. But for some players, it's a bit of a shock. The, you know, the high press, the physicality, no time on the <coughs> ball. I think he's got what it takes, but I would have had him in yesterday. I'd have said, look, you know, have 90 minutes. You know, You're a good player. You know this is the golden opportunity because we've got, we're probably got, on balance we're going to win this game and as it happened we, went, we won it at a counter. so i think he should, she should play him and, and this talking can play right back as well and there was no even talk he could play center half but until he gets in there as you rightly say we've no clue what he's going to be like he might be one of those guys who comes in and he just freezes and he just can't do it i heard that joe cancelo
3: isn't playing at the moment uh because he didn't have a full pre-season with Juventus um, and Pep wants him to have a full pre-season with the current squad and he wants to teach him the principles of how we're going to play in mm. training so that when he does make his debut it's as if he's been playing with the play. I mean I know match fitness and match practice mm. he's going to do that for him but rather than do it in, in a in a game that could maybe cost us if he's not quite up to speed with the way that we're playing under Pep at City with the current crop of players. Maybe he wants to do it and do it bit by bit, drip feed him in, in training and mm. in training games so that when he does bed him in, he's it's as if he's been playing for weeks with the current team. Um, and not only that, I think the players also know that they're going to have to play a part in helping Cancelo adapt even prior to making his debut. I've watched him um, even more since we've signed him. Obviously, I've seen him play for Juventus in the Champions League, but I've seen him more since we've signed him because now he's our player. So, I'm going to watch him. Um, Fantastic going forward. Um, Not me, but my brother, Gary Neville. He seems to have (laughs) liked having him at Valencia. Um, The manager before him, I mentioned this on the podcast the other week, loved him and rated him as a defender but more so going forward which Paul touched on then I've seen him defend he he can defend Um, he doesn't mind dribbling into midfield filling in as a centre mid during moves he can practically play anywhere you want him to play so long as someone's covering him he's going to be an exciting player but um, I've got a little bit of a theory that um, he's probably going to play him for the first time against a side that is um, going to come at us. Um, so we, which Brighton did do um, because he likes to dribble the ball, he likes to come in field, he likes to play a bit. So I understand why he's saying he's a bit like Zinchenko, a player that can come in field and and create stuff as well. But I just think he's going to play him against a big team where he can make a real difference, getting him behind him and cause absolute havoc.
2: Mm.
0: Here's another question for you now, slightly off off that topic. Uh, but something that's been occurring to me when I've gone out doing my vlogs before and after games, and it's been happening for a while now. You know, when I ask mm. people what, what they think of today's game, I pretty much always get, oh, 5-0, 4-0, and all the rest of it. And then after the game, yesterday, um, obviously a comfortable home victory, which I thoroughly enjoyed, uh, first couple of people I speak to say, not very good, that, um, didn't think we did this, didn't have enough movement, da 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 And so it's starting to sort of um you know coalesce in my mind that city fans are starting not all obviously and you might be the exception sat here but starting to feel very entitled um, starting to to be a bit blasé about about what we're watching, which is, as far as I'm concerned, amazing football and brilliant football. And I'm very very well aware of the fact that this isn't going to last forever. Um, it, you know, it might last another year or two. It might last five years. It might even last ten years if we're very lucky. But it ain't going to last forever. So I come away and I'm sometimes astounded by the first of all the the. The casual nature. And if, by the way, you're listening to this and I bump into you at the next game and you think, I better not say 5-0, you say what you think. I'm not telling you what to say. You say what you think. But I never go into a game thinking, oh, 5-0 today. And and I can't believe that the number of people who do, nor the reaction afterwards, which is this entitled, blasé opinion of, well, I don't think we played that well in the second half. You were already 2-0 up, maybe even 3-0 up by then. It, the 61 games last season you know you've got a long long way to go a player had been carried off on a stretcher at one point do you not make allowances for yeah, all yeah, that yeah. i don't want to say all these things back to them but i'm thinking no this is your voice you say what you think but i but i put it to you are city fans becoming entitled and blase and all these things or not yes with an exclamation mark, Ian. Mm-hmm. Um, if, you, if you're going to give a score
3: prediction that, that is is big and you're talking about clean sheets and you're talking about scoring three and four goals... Um, it's you've got five to, and six Yeah, something. five and six, but mm. you've, you've got to be able to justify why you're saying that. So you've got to understand the opposition. Why are you saying that we're going to win 4-0? Have the opposition got a poor fullback that you think we're going to be able to exploit? Have they got poor centre-halves that you think Sterling's going to be able to get in behind? You've got to have a justification in your own mind as to why you're saying we're going to win 4 or 5-0 because you've also got to discount the fact that are well, the opposition well, poor and they're not score goals well, so
0: answer this one then Harlan you went to that game yesterday this isn't for the vlog this isn't mm. for effect did you go there expecting forget it's hard to do this really mm. because y- you're clued in yeah. and yeah. I'm not just saying that in a patronising way but you're clued in anybody that listens to this knows that you're across lots of things and you know I mean, you know far more about Cancelo than I do for example uh, and I, I'm the first to admit that but when you went to that game, did you think, even though you might not have said it publicly yeah, comfortable on victory today? No, not comfortable um, I don't know, it what, depends what, you,
3: what comfortable means, it looks comfortable at 4-0 four, four now doesn't it, and it looks to the naked eye, and this is what I'm trying to say, it looks to the naked eye on paper, like we beat Brighton 4-0 thumped them and didn't have a dig that Graham Potter's a poor manager that couldn't get anything from Pep, that isn't what but, the game uh, was uh, like at if all if, if
0: we'd have won yesterday
2: 2-0 I'd have been satisfied with that. Would you? Yeah. What about I'll you, out, Paul? I, with the yeah. two Pauls. <laughs> I, I, we said it on we said it on the way out. We was coming out of the ground, and I think the first thing I said when I got out of the ground was, "There's about six or seven of us walking out together," and I said, "You know what?" I said, "I've still got to pinch myself." I said, "I'm coming out of this ground, absolutely amazed at the football I'm watching week in, week out." Again, this was my first game of the season yesterday because I've been away, and 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 I just said, "I'm so." Up so pleased to be back to be able to stand there and watch that I says, and i think that's why the atmosphere is not as good because we're all mesmerized by it but do you think you're typical is um, he typical paul
1: I, I, I think i think he there's a guy that sits two rows behind us right and you would think he was watching the Stuart pierce side yeah he <coughs> moans all the way through the game get it forward get it forward and you're watching some of the best players on the planet control a game against a very good Brighton side. Mm. And what we need to remember is that we're making good teams and good professionals look bad because we're so good. And if we can't appreciate that and acknowledge that and celebrate that, then we shouldn't be in the ground. And we shouldn't be blase about it. Because, you know, it was 4-0 yesterday, great. Two wonder goals from Aguero, two world-class strikes that could that might not have gone in on another day, and we might have only won two nil, or might have only won one nil. But when I look at those players, they are making good teams look average. I mean, when when Aguero scored that goal, he dropped Dunk on his backside. He was a good centre half. He's a good player, that lad. And he dropped him on his backside because he's a world class player. So I'm, like you, Paul, and like you, I come out the ground and I. I Think back to the Stuart Pierce years when we, we couldn't buy a goal after Christmas no. that season. I think we scored one or two goals after Christmas in that Ten season. 10 all season, I yeah, think. It wasn't was, it, yeah, it was, you know, you, you, you felt you, you they were stealing off you. Yeah. They were stealing your ticket price when you were sat there. If you can't come out the ground and and acknowledge that Brighton came, like not like a lot of other teams, and came and had a goal. They had a goal yesterday. They didn't park the bus. They came and had a goal at us. And I respect them for that. But we made them look ordinary because we were so good not because they were so bad let me ask you this question right
0: City's got two weeks off now playing Norwich in the next game how uh, like, like, do you think that's going to go what's your score prediction for that game oh 6-0 mate don't come on I'm <laughs> asking you serious, serious a fli- serious a flippant way of introducing serious, serious it questions. Come on, what do you think
2: uh, I'd like to think we, could, we should win it by a couple of goals what about you Harlan
3: Good side, Ian. Impressed with what I've seen from Norwich so far. I uh, thought they took the game to Liverpool, away from home at Anfield. We're going to their place. Um, not going to be an easy place to go to. Um, said this about Sheffield United as well. They look like, early on, the 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 encouragements there from the gaffer, good manager as well in Farker. But not only that, the crowd are up for it because the novelty's not worn off yet of being back in the Premier League. So that's going to play a part in the atmosphere. The players are reciprocating what the fans you Her can dress this up back. however you want. I want to know what you're thinking. I, I
2: think you a politician, I? am <laughs> yeah.
3: just trying to justify what I'm saying. So, I, I think we'll win the game. By um, two goals. Two goals. Co- so, two-two um,
0: goals, right? 3-1. 3-1. 3-1, right? It, three one, I, right
1: think, I think 3-1. But And I say that because I made, I made the same prediction about Bournemouth. And that game could have been 3-3. Three, three. They had two mm. really good chances. Um, so, I think we we will win that game. And I think we'll win 3-1. But I'm not saying that because I think Norwich are rubbish. I think it's because we are very disciplined and very good at what we do. And that's the difference. And anyone that thinks there's an easy game in the Premiership is, <laughs> is deluded. It's, they're utterly deluded. Even the teams at the bottom are capable of turning us over every time. So, And if Liverpool can get turned over, Spurs have been turned over, you know, it's it's, it's about being realistic. And as you say, Paul, it's about just celebrating mm. Wonderful, glorious football By hugely professional guys That know what they're doing And making good, solid Professional premiership sides Look ordinary Because they're absolutely on it Week in, week out Mm. I mean yesterday there was periods of that game Where it felt like a practice match They were just Mm. knocking it round and round And they weren't doing it to humiliate the other team They were just doing it because that's That's what they're trained to do That's what they do That's what they're trained to do and it's just Pavlov's dog,
3: that's what they do. But let's not forget as well Ian, and I want to say this to the thousands of City fans that listen to this podcast, that if you are going to that game or you are watching at home, be aware that they've got some handy players. Timu Pukis on the same amount of goals as Sterling mm. so far this season. They've got a young lad called um, Todd Campwell in midfield as well, a uh, young kid, a young English lad, uh, took the game to Liverpool and ran that game in my opinion. Um, he assisted Pookie twice, not last week, the week before. Got to watch out for him. And Norwich will try and play football against us, a bit like Brighton did yesterday. They're not afraid to play football. They've got a good manager with good principles. And we maybe won't have the ball for as much as, well, as much of the time as we think we're going to have it. But as long as we have it for enough time to score the three goals I'm saying we will, if we concede one, we concede one. But as long as we win the game and we get the three points, it's another win, isn't it?
2: Mm. Can I also just finally add about Norwich? We're, we're missing one important ingredient.
1: Delia Smith yeah if she says let's be having you Uh, then uh... Yeah. Uh, too early before we and, and scored. I think, then. I think it's an early kick off, so we, we should be all right. <laughs> it's a late kick off actually. Oh God! Oh well. <laughs> it's five thirty. It's worth remembering that Ed Balls, the former MP, is their chair, so he might be dragging them off at the end of the game. If, especially if they, if they took a bit of a piss. If they win, God knows what'll happen. God. A bit of dancing on the pitch. <laughs> yeah. I was
0: there that day, so yeah. I remember it yeah. well. Um,
1: just, just um,
0: go with me on this one. I don't normally do this, right? But he's going to start singing after that. That, after that Norwich game it's Shakhtar away so uh, how is City going to do there you know what I haven't a clue you have got shortish answers by the way on this not
3: ask, another big diatriper right. Ian writes in his book I'm not going to write you another one um, <laughs> Shakhtar beat them 6-0 at home last season towards the end of group stage Ian um, they're probably going to have stepped it up again this season probably going to look to win their league going to be a tough game because it's what are you going for? Champions League um, I'll go for a Go for a three-one win away from home. What
0: are you going for, Paul? Two-nil. Two-one. Right, oh, and then the game after that is Preston in. The, no, it isn't. Sorry, it's Watford at home. Um, what are we going for on that one? <sighs> I hate predicting. What's I, your gut feeling? I, I think four-one. Yeah, four-one. I, 4-1, I, I right.
1: think so. I think four-nil. Yeah, four-one. I think.
0: And then the one after that is Preston away in the League Cup. So uh, See, this is
2: difficult now because I'm hoping. This is where he's going to put out a a, a beast, a B team, shall we say? Um, Two 0
1: Okay. What about you, Harlan? I'm going to go for um, I'm going to go for a five-one winning. Five-one. Well, they're flying high in the in the championship. They're 6 or seventh. They're decent side. I think two-one. Right. The reason
0: I did all that, right, was was I was
1: setting you up, really. Oh,
0: here we go. Right. Apart from that last one, (laughs) when you've gone for a one-goal margin, every other result in every other game you've just predicted is by a minimum of two-goal margin, sometimes bigger. And that's four games against different away in the Champions League in Ukraine, against a team apart who only ever been beaten by an English team once on their own pitch, and that was City. Uh, Norwich, who are flying at the moment. They've got one of the top scorers in the Premier League in Timu Puki, and have started the season really well. Preston, who've got nothing to lose and it could be against the City second string. And yet, here you are, all three of you. If I was vlogging you there, you've just done exactly what everybody else does, which is go back for uh, you know, pretty much a big victory in every game. But, is, but, are you becoming but blasé? No, because, no.
1: because, because the, the stats with us on this, 27 games on the bounce in the Premiership with us scoring we score goals mm. all the time we're not being blase about that it's just they score goals that's what they do it, and I every time they score I am no less joyous mm. than the goal before yeah and I'm no more blase about it because I know the hard work that's gone in to create those chances you know when Silver goes into that position or when Sterling came out with the first goal and, and pulled their guy out of, out of position he played that that was a play I watched it, mm. and silver came on, the back, knocked it across, and De Bruyne had a tap-in. The reality is, I'm not blasé about that, because I know how hard they work to get to that position. We score goals, and we're pretty tight at the back, as well, we don't give a lot away. We've got a fantastic keeper, don't forget. So, we're not throwing these things out in a blasé way. We're just looking at the stats, we're looking at our experience as fans, watching what we see week in, week out, and going, actually... We will beat these teams, but we're also saying it's not going to be easy. You're absolutely right. It's never going to be easy, even at Preston, because they've gotten out to lose. It's it's a it's small
2: a, ground. It's a cup final for every team that plays us. I know it's, it's the cold cliche. It's but, true. It's um, true. You know, it, we, we're on a bad day. This is how good we are. We're two goals better than most teams in my yeah. head. That's how I see it. Um, You're perfectly entitled, I, I'm, by it. So I'm, I'm just challenging you. I'm challenging you. I'm just trying <laughs> to clarify my, my thinking on it. And I mean, I, I stand that right next to the away fans in Block One Eleven, um, and for the last two seasons now, the fans are coming up to us at the end and shaking our hands and saying, "That was brilliant." They've been hammered. But they're saying, that was amazing. We've never seen anything f- like that. When you watch it on the telly, it looks one thing, but when you see it in the flesh, mm. that was amazing. Well done, lads. But, I, but It wasn't me playing the football. You Andy, know? And
3: we're talking about games coming up in, in the near future as well, and I'm basing my predictions on what I saw against Brighton yesterday. Mm. And Like Paul said, a very good Brighton side. And if we can win that game 4-0 against good opposition, then that justifies kind of why I'm going for the scores I'm going for. Because against Preston, my thinking is that like... Paul from Prestige has said that we'll play a mixed bag of younger players. Fordham might get a game. We might even see Garcia in there now we've lost um, Laporte. But in games like that, if we, for example, go 2-0 up in that game against Preston, they, equal our, uh, they score one, then we bring on De Bruyne, then we bring on Aguero and then we strengthen the team. Usually when we've done that in previous games going forward, them experienced, top quality professionals have made...
1: The difference and got
3: us that extra two goals, which is why I'm saying five one. I mean, if, you look, if you
1: look at the Preston game, that's a golden opportunity. If Jesus is fit, they'll throw him in. Now he's he's going to run riot in that game because he's really, he's turned out to he's turned into a really good player now. He's got he's managed to work out what the offside rule is at last, <laughs> um, and now he's turned into a decent player's position. And he'll be looking to score goals in that in that game. Now I think we're we're trying to be fair to Preston, if, if there's a sense of entitlement. Let's stop it, guys, because it's it, it will end at some point. So let's just go enjoy with the it. ride. Let's enjoy what we're seeing. Celebrate the majesty and the genius of some of those players that we've got on that field. It is it is a privilege to be in the ground. You know, as I said before, in the stupid years I paid thirty quid to watch. You know, a really bad City tribute act, and now I'm watching <laughs> a world class team and. I almost feel sorry for the guy behind me this morning because you th- i think you are watching a different game from me because this is this is almost perfection
0: let's hold it on that note then uh, we'll be doing another podcast next sunday there won't have been a game then but we'll talk more about some of these issues perhaps then if you're listening to this and you're thinking i strongly agree with with something or i strongly disagree or you just a bit disagree or a bit agree, then feel free to comment You know, on the Twitter, my Twitter account or, or the lad's Twitter account uh, and just get involved on the Facebook page and whatnot. Now, I want to devote the last section of this week's podcast to the City women's game because they're going to take centre stage now uh, next Saturday, uh, the Saturday in the middle of the international break at three o'clock uh, at the Etihad, it's City against United, it's their season opener um, and it's also going to be, I would imagine, something like 15 or 20,000 somewhere in that region of a crowd. From what I understand at the moment, the whole of the bottom bowl of the stadium is going to be packed. Um, if the demand continues on maybe it will stretch up into a into a bigger, a higher tier as well, who knows, but certainly there's going to be, I would imagine, the biggest crowd possibly, that the Women's Super League has ever seen. Um, Maybe Paul will correct me on that because he knows more than I do. But certainly, I would imagine it's going to be a big occasion. I'm going to be there. I'm going to be doing some vlogging as usual. So I'll do a vlog on my YouTube account. So if you're out and about, come and say hello. And then that will give us a, a view of... The people that were there, which the, the ticket pricing is pitched, I think, really adult taking children because you're looking at seven quid for an adult and then one or even uh, three, three. Somebody said one to me the other day. I thought it was three. You can take up to three free kids with you. So I would imagine we're going to sit here. I'm not saying this is a bad thing. I'm just saying it is a fact. A lot of shrill voices um, that are going to be cheering on the City women next week and after the success of the Women's World Cup which I have to admit I didn't see a minute of because I was away on holiday in the summer um, but it's it's obviously because it's been on BBC One and it's been in the public eye that, that, that this has given women's football a big big lift. So Paul this is where we brought you along. I, I did a tweet and asked for somebody to come along. The, the The lady who does the City Women's podcast was invited on and I know she would have come if she could have come. And I, so I asked if anybody else wanted to come and uh, uh, you you decided that you would come along and represent the women's game because you watch it. So get, pitch it for me. Tell me why
1: everybody should go. Well. I'm a convert to women's football. Uh, about four years ago, I'm a season ticket holder in the men's game. We went to the men's game. I took my daughter, who was 10. We were stood in front of this idiot. Uh, I was sat in front of this idiot. He was... seemed to have always been here an idiot. Yeah, exactly. You? <laughs> well, of course, <laughs> it maybe 11 name, <laughs> yeah. uh, but he made was, me. He was just effing and jeffing in the most vile way. And she got really upset. So I thought, well, how can I keep her in the in the city family? So, so she said, well, can we go to the women's football? And I, like a lot of fans, this fans, this was just after the last World Cup. And so I thought, well, I'm, I'm not sure, but let's give it a go. And instantly I fell in love with it. I think it's fantastic. It's a great atmosphere, very friendly, family-friendly. And most importantly, you're watching some high-quality football. You If you watch the World Cup, either of the World Cups, you are going to see the players from the World Cup in the Etihad on Saturday. You're going to see Steph Horton. You're going to see McManus. You're going to see... Um, you know, all of the top players that are are at City and you're gonna watch a really good derby. Now, I think City will probably win that derby, but it's a derby, it's a proper derby. So if you've got kids, take them along because if one young woman watches that game and decides to be a professional footballer, then it's worth staging. And it's to the club's credit. They talk about one club, don't they? They say, well, one club. Well, this is an absolute commitment to that, that idea. It's going to be a fantastic game. I think there'll be 20, 25,000 on. That will be a record for a league game. The FA Cup final attracts 40 000 to 50,000 these days. There's a massive uh, groundswell of support for women's football. If you're a bit unsure, just give it a go. It's seven quid. What are you are going to lose? It's less than the cinema ticket, and you're going to watch some of the best players in the women's game go at it against their local rivals. I think, it's, I think it's a no-brainer, frankly. I'm taking a group of 11 people, including my daughter, nine of whom have never watched a game of women's football. So that's nine converts to the game. And I would just say to people, go along. It's a very different atmosphere. It's a much nicer, mm. more friendly atmosphere. And if you've got kids, it's a great, introdu- great introduction into the city way of doing things. What do you two think?
0: I, I've
2: I've been to a few games. I mean, to be honest with you, Abby McManus is one of my customers. Right. Um, I, you know, I do work. and I do uh, another lady's car at uh, place for failed? Mm. In fact, I actually sponsor. her. Right. So um, it's it's f- for me. I would go a lot more. I'd go a lot more if I had time. To me, it's a time thing. Um, I'm gonna go on Saturday um take me take all my grandkids along because it is a different atmosphere mm. and I think <clears throat> I'm 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 a, a robust a passionate football fan so yeah my language does get a bit strong but
0: not on the podcast
2: not on the podcast <laughs> no obviously but when I've been at the ladies' games it's a different atmosphere and initially it's a little bit like mm, initially but then you look round you these kids there and you're thinking, yeah, and you know some of the songs they're singing, yeah, they're a bit. You, mm. You're thinking, oh, it's, it's not the same, this, but it isn't the same, but it's it's a good not the same. If that yeah. makes, I'm probably Abs- not making that clear, no, it's but hun- it's, I, I, I it's totally completely different saying. to the man's game. Treat it like completely different. The atmosphere is great, and you can drink beer on the concourse, mm. which is another massive bonus. Oh, we we'll were doing that at the uh, the Etihad. I'm not then. sure about
3: that. Yeah, but yeah, no. Yeah. no. Yeah. no. Um, it's an exciting prospect to you. One thing I will say about it though is that, and and Paul, I'll have a say on this. I'm guessing as well is that um, obviously the way the club have marketed this game is that it's the first, you know, derby in the Women's Super League, which it is. But it's not the first ever derby that we've ever played. So I think that the way it's been marketed at times has kind of said that the previous derbies in the past don't matter anymore. And that this one, because it's the first in the WSL and it's the first one at the Etihad, which is a landmark occasion, may I um, that this is more important than any other derby before that. And I obviously understand now that there's there's a lot more professional women's footballers. The WSL is a professional women's football league. It's the top flight of this country's women's football um, establishment. But I think, you know, it's it's, it's another derby. It's, it's an add-on to the other derbies that we've played in the past and women's football has been built over a course of years to get to the WSL because of the other derbies and because of the other big women's games that have been played. Um, I should have a football match on Saturday but my, my game isn't on. We've not got a fixture so I am going to make uh, the journey over. I'm going to see if free as well and we're both going to go to our first women's Super League derby as well uh, and get behind them. Listen, as far as I'm concerned, as soon as I'm in the Etihad, no matter who's playing there, You know, especially a city team, I'm gonna treat it like it's it's a men's game, and I'm gonna get behind the girls, and I'm gonna I'm gonna sing if people are singing. I'm gonna want the ball at the back of the net just as much as if Serge was striking it. Um, You know, I've been and watched international games in the Etihad, and when you're in a big stadium like that, especially at our ground, I'll get behind anyone that's playing there. Um, But to go and watch the city women against United, it's 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 united. Do you know what I mean? I want us to win that game, and I want yeah. us to pummel them. Yeah.
0: I know. Yeah. I know. I'm the oldest one here. Well, I assume by, I'm the oldest one here. Yeah, by a long yeah, probably by a long way. So I've been. Uh, I, I've grown up in an era where women's football was almost not on the radar. Didn't have the um, vote when you did it. Either. <laughs> <laughs> probably not. No. Uh, <laughs> c- certainly, games were played in black and white. I didn't <laughs> know the City played in sky blue did, when I was a kid did, did, uh, did, until I went to a Dick game. But the point I'm making really is that. Because it was never on my radar and people will look now and say, well, you know, uh, treat women's football the same. I can't help but having been brought up on men's football, having attended, you know, 2,200 first-team City games and loads of Youth Cup and and, and EDS and Friendlies and everything else like that and loads of other men's games away from City. So probably more like 4,000 games really in my lifetime and I think that Saturday's game, because I'll be there, will be my 14th women's game. So I have been to a few, but hardly any of them. So I wonder whether—and this poses questions Zane, more at Harlan than than, than you two, Pauls. You know, is it going to be different? Do you feel that now, going forward, um, after you've been to this game on Saturday, that you can envisage your time, which is 20 years in the future, when City Women are? Reg- playing in the Etihad, just as City do. and One's at home one week, one's at home the other. Uh, either you have a joint season ticket, or you know you got you go to both games. Or will it always be a bit different? I mean, it. This is, is going to be different this weekend because of the offer, because of the special nature of it. But when I've been to the, the women's games, the crowds there there are some crossover fans, but are moral are generally different fans. So, these are the cruxes of what I'm trying to get at. Will there always be different fans? Will it cross over more in the future? And can you envisage a future where city women are just as prominent, just as well paid, just as well covered, just as well supported as the men are?
3: There will be a crossover of of, of, of fans, Ian. I think the more and more City fans that go to these games and then go home and it's word of mouth, that game was really, really good, the standard's improving. That word of mouth and that that recommendation, shall I say, will, will encourage more people to go. I think the game's going in the right direction now. I think more people will start to, to attend the games if they are in bigger stadiums and if the, if, if the attendances build year on year or game on game. I think the World Cup massively helped in... In, in in making people realise that maybe they need to move into the bigger stadiums now because we will outgrow the academy stadium I, I do think in the next couple of seasons um, but in answer to your first question Ian the, the, the game for me will never be and I think Paul Prestige agrees with me here that it will yeah, never but be but he's older and it, this is why I'm <clears throat> asking you yeah. I don't think it ever will feel the same as as the men's game and me because, because I grew up with the men's game and obviously that's partially down to the fact that the women's game wasn't huge as I was growing up but It will be big in its own right, so it will be a big, big, big sport for women and people will start to call it football, which it is, and talk about it in the same breath to an extent as the men's game, but the men's game is is too big and it's it's like a different game altogether, so it will never catch up with it because that would mean the men's game would have to slow down and wait for years, which isn't going to happen. Um, I'll never be as enthusiastic about the women's game as I will be about the men's game, but I will be enthusiastic about it if you get where I'm coming from.
1: I, th- I think the, is- the issue is that City are marketing <coughs> the women's game, and it is a marketing issue as well as as, as a-, a commitment, a-, a moral and ethical commitment to women's football as well. They're, they're trying to get more people into the City brand. You know, we're season ticket holders. There's a-, a finite number of season ticket holders that you can have. A lot of people who are not the crossover fans are people who have decided to be season ticket holders for the women's game. they decided that's their team. You know, the official supporters club, we were brilliant. A lot of those people may go to the men's game, but generally will go to the women's game. And what's really encouraging is you can take families to the game. You can afford to take your families. If you've got your partner, you, and two kids, you can go there for about 20 quid, Right. If you go over to the Etihad, it's nearer 200 quid. So a lot of families are saying, let's get behind the women's team. Let's go and be part of the city family over there. The and irony
0: I- though is the more successful the women become, eventually the prices will be the same. Of course it?
1: it will, but at the moment, the differential in the prices is significant. So you can do that. And the club are under iron. I think they lost a million quid, I think, on the women's team last last year. And that's them making that commitment. Whether we'll ever get to be the women to fill the Etihad, that's a bigger question than time will tell. But when you think that the first derby was played on Platte Fields and the only people watching were family and friends. And in fairness to the club, on one of the match days, they brought all those women from that original team and paraded them mm. around the field with the existing players. And you could see the players of today thinking, we won't be here but for those women mm. So the club haven't forgotten the history, and you're right, Harlan. Yeah. But they have changed the market over The last couple of weeks to say the first WSL derby. And
3: that, that's what I think was. That's what I think my issue with it was: is that it just seemed like they would paraded them round. I do remember that happening, Paul. Mm. But the fact that now they were trying to, they were trying to market it even more and kind of force feed it to people in a sense that this is massive. You need to come. This is the first ever, and I think it was more the wording. And I mean, it might only seem like a small thing. But that first ever was a bit disrespectful to me, in a sense, because these women, like you said, were pioneers.
0: Well, the game takes place next week. It's a three o'clock kickoff. I'll be out now out of vlogging. Um, Gary James has, has written a book, which is the history of the women's game. His book launch, as we sit here on Sunday night, is on tomorrow night, Monday night. I'll be there for sure. Uh, and Gary has promised to come on this podcast next Sunday and talk about his book and we can obviously reflect on the women's game as well as whatever men's topics are around. Thanks very much to the two Pauls and to Harlan, of course, Will, who works hard behind the scenes. Thanks very much to UK, who are the Chartered Mortgage Advisors um, who support this podcast by sponsoring it. And I really appreciate their help. So if you are in a position where you're looking for a Mortgage, or you know somebody. I urge you to go to CharlesLouis.com. dot I'm not on commission or anything. Not, don't, don't mean <laughs> like that. But, but because they're good people who are supporting this podcast. So please support them if you get the opportunity to do that thanks very much uh, for listening uh, thanks very much for you for the nice comments they make on social media don't be frightened of saying something's wrong or you don't agree with it we can take it we're thick-skinned enough and we will of course put a little video extract of some of the best bits on my youtube account during the the week as well the forever blue youtube account if you not seen the vlog yet from the weekend Go over and have a look at it. Thanks very much, and we'll see you all again next week.